Good morning. I'm Nate, one of the elders here, for those of you who don't know me. And I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to chapter 6 of the book of Exodus. And we're going to be reading through verse 12 this morning. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we ask that you speak to us through your word this morning, that you would dig into the deep places of our heart and bring healing and restoration, that you would deliver us from our fears, from our doubts, and that you would bring us into the full knowledge of who you are and what you've done for us. And we thank you for this story about Moses and how it informs us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I grew up in Alaska, and some of you probably know that. Um, and there is not a lot to do up there in the winter unless you have a snowmobile. Even if you like to ski, it's too far. Uh, you would think it would be great for winter sports, uh, and so it's really not. So I did the only thing that I could do, which is play ice hockey. My mom had tried to get me into gymnastics uh, a few years before that, and it just did, it didn't go well. Uh, so ice hockey seemed like uh, the right path to go. And with any sport, uh, any of you who have played sports, there are some, there are some basics. There's some fundamentals that you have to know in order to be successful. So in ice hockey, one of those is keep your stick on the ice. If you're going to catch a pass or if you're going to shoot, your stick has to be on the ice. Uh, don't pass in front of your own net. And this applies to soccer as well. Do not do that. Do not pass in front of your own net because more than likely somebody of the other team is just going to put the puck right in your net. But there's one fundamental that took me a while to learn. And uh, I wish I had learned it before, before this happened. So I was digging the puck out of the corner and coming up the boards. 
And I thought I was doing really great, but then I found myself like this, on my back on the ice. And the rule is, keep your head up. <laughs> Do not skate with your head down, or you will get creamed. And unfortunately, I had to learn, learn that the hard way. Life as a Christian is hard, and there's, there's no reason to sugarcoat this, and there's several reasons for it. One is just, life is hard. Amen? And it is so easy to forget that there are assaults coming at us from every direction all the time, both from without, from the world, from the messaging of the world, and from within. And a lot of times it's the ones from within <laughs> that are the most destructive. And what I want you to walk away with today is how important it is to be reminded of the fundamentals of the faith, especially when you're caught up in how difficult things are at the time, or just how down you can get when you are not believing the truth. So in our passage this morning, if you remember from last week, let me just recap, and we're going to spend a little bit of time in this passage, but John finished up with chapter uh, 5, verses 22 and 23. But if you remember from last week, God sends Moses to the Israelites, and at first things go pretty well. Right? He comes, he says, you're going to be delivered, the Israelites buy in, and things seem to be okay. Then they go to Pharaoh. Things do not go well. Pharaoh increases the labors on the people, and as Moses and Aaron are fixing to leave, uh, the elders, the foremen of the Israelites, chastise them for their meddling and uh, provoking Pharaoh's anger. It did not go well. So in our passage this morning, Moses and Aaron have come back to the Lord, and Moses has some things to say. So this is from last week, verses 22 and 23. I'll read them quickly. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? And that word trouble can be translated as evil as well. Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. Moses is accusing God of bringing trouble on his people. This is an accusation. And if we, if we do use that term evil, he is accusing God of doing evil to his people. And this is pretty extreme if we think about it. And so as we get into our passage, God's response to this is pretty gracious when you think about it. <laughs> think about how you have felt or uh, how you would feel if somebody not only just accused you of wrongdoing, but what Moses does here is he actually accuses God and gets to the heart of who God is. You have not kept your promises. You have brought evil on your people. It's you who has done this. And you can imagine maybe what your response would be. But God is very gracious in his response. So in verse 1 of chapter 6, God's, God begins this passage of reminder. This is really a passage of reminder. And when we go through this, you'll see that there's really three aspects of reminder that God gives to Moses. One is rem uh, reminding him who he is. God is reminding Moses of who he is. He's also reminding Moses of what he has done. 
And then lastly, he reminds Moses of what he will do, what his promises are and what is to come. So in verses one through five, there are a few things that really stand out. One is that the first thing is that God reminds Moses of what he had told him a while back. And if we go back to chapter three, um, verses 19 and 20 of Exodus, God told him what would happen. And so really Moses is, is very forgetful. And so this reminder is based off of this. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go. These are the words that he gave Moses to tell to uh, the Israelites. He will not permit you to go unless under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. But Moses just forgets this, right? So God in verse one is reminding him, now you will see what I will do, this. I will bring my miracles and then he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, because of my mighty hand, he will free them. And then again in verse two, he, he begins to hammer this home a little bit more. I am the Lord. Now what does this mean? The term for Lord is Yahweh. I am Yahweh. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and this is an interesting phrase, but I did not make myself fully known to them. And I think what he is saying here is, I am fixing to. <laughs> or if I can use the Southern phraseology, I'm fixing to do that. And he wants to make very clear that he is the Almighty God, the God who is the faithful covenant keeper. And that is what his name Yahweh means. And in verse four, we see this also. I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. He intends to fulfill this covenant and it is God who established it. I have heard the groaning of the Israelites. If we remember back to chapter two, which fortunately was the sermon that I got to preach, we remember that beside God just blessing the midwives um, for their, their disobedience to Pharaoh, the next thing that God does is he has compassion. He hears the groanings of the Israelites and he has compassion on them. And here he re reiterates that. I have heard the groanings of the Israelites and I have remembered my covenant. Moses, I have done these things. So the next thing that God does is he gives a command to Moses and I'm sure this is not the command that Moses wanted. Go to the Israelites. <laughs> Go to the Israelites. Oh, come on, really? Don't you remember how it went the last time? Yeah, they, they were all fine and dandy until things went south. And now they are not gonna be on board. And what the Lord gives him to say is profound. There are seven I will statements in verses six through eight. And sprinkled in there are three I am the Lord's. He wants to hammer home who he is and what he will do. First, he says, I will bring you out. Then I will free you. I will redeem you. And you can think about these I wills in three different aspects. There are uh, his redemption, where he's going to bring them out. And then we have relationship. So in relationship, in verse 7, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And then lastly, it is his promises. 
I will bring you to the land that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you. I'm not going to just take you there, but you will be given the land of Canaan as a possession. So redemption and relationship and his covenant keeping. Now, God's response is very profound and can speak to us in many ways. And again, the Christian life is hard. And we need to be reminded all the time of the truths and the realities of the kingdom. Because it is really easy to forget. And it's just part of what it is to be a fallen human that we are forgetful. We are just a forgetful people. And the danger is that when we forget, it is really easy to fall into despair and anger, just as Moses did, and to start accusing God of evil. And just like Moses, we need to be reminded of who God is, what he has done, and what is to come. And for Christians, the core of that truth that we cannot lose sight of is that Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. The resurrection is the fundamental truth that we need to be reminded of constantly that informs the way that we live in the kingdom. We, in, in the resurrection, we are reminded of who God is in that his power and his compassion and his faithful promise keeping are on full display. We are reminded of what he has done. He has fulfilled all of the promises and all of the covenants in all of his word in Christ on the cross and through his resurrection. And of what is to come, we are reminded that this life and all of its struggles is not the end of the story. This is not where things stop. We do not end at the grave when we have faith in Christ. Our work and toil here is not without purpose. It's not in vain. Because what Jesus accomplished, we have every reason for hope. But we have to be reminded. We have to keep these truths at the forefront of our minds and at the center of our lives. And fortunately, much of Christian practice throughout the centuries has been built around this fact. And so let's just take a few minutes to look at a few of these. One of these is the Sabbath. This, what we are doing here today is part of that. We are gathering with God's people. We're hearing the word. When we are doing the sacraments, we are participating in those reminders that have been given to the church to bolster and strengthen our faith. And we cannot neglect this and expect to live a healthy Christian life. It's not going to happen. The other thing that is a term, it's a term that throughout my life as a Christian, I've kind of wrestled with a bit, but fellowship. And a lot of times fellowship gets, uh, it becomes a little bit soft, <laughs> That it's just Christians hanging out with each other. And that's not what I would call fellowship. Although I do believe that Christians sharing life together and the simple things of life is a good thing. 
But, and, and please do that. But what I'm talking about in terms of fellowship here is to come together and to rejoice together, to grieve together, to mourn together, and to bear one another's burdens. We need to be able to hear from others and remind each other of what's real and what's true. We've got to do that. That is part of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. And then study. And so I, I, want, to, I, I want to address this in terms of, it doesn't necessarily mean sitting in front of your desk with a bunch of books out and going to town for a, three, a few hours and writing papers. That's not what I mean by study. Really what I mean by study is those habits that beat into your mind these truths on a regular basis. Now that can include sitting down with books and papers and pencils and, and, and getting after it that way. But it can also be simple things. Memorization, picking a verse to memorize, to pray through, having a Bible reading plan. Uh, I, I've, I don't know that I've ever been successful actually with a one-year Bible reading plan, so I might not be the best one to preach this. <laughs> but I have been through the Bible, trust me on that one. Um, and then there's things like podcasts and audiobooks that you can plug in when you're driving or walking or whatever that can just reinforce, continue to reinforce what you hear in worship on Sundays, what you're getting through fellowship with other Christians. Really anything that reinforces the truth and proclaims the resurrection of the Messiah, I would lump into kind of that broad category of study. We are a forgetful people. And when we forget, we easily shift the blame to God and to others. And this leads us to anger and despair and just pure unbelief. But when we put ourselves in a place to be reminded, and especially of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we heal, we grow, we regain, regain some of the ground that we've lost to despair. And in the resurrection, we're reminded just how much the all-powerful God, the all-powerful Yahweh, how much He has done for us. And that He will bring us home. And that He calls us His own. So this week, keep your stick on the ice, keep your head up, and put yourself in a place to be reminded of these fundamental truths. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Moses and his, his faith. And we thank you for your faithfulness to him and to your people that you promised to fulfill your covenant. And Lord, we thank you for your resurrection and how we have everything to hope for because of it. Help these things to sink deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.